Hello everyone, welcome back to La Saludable Latina podcast. We are your hosts Lilia Gomez and Dr. Chelly. We created this space to promote health awareness within women's health issues. Each episode is made with love and support with the purpose of inspiring and empowering you. We motivate each other in support of a healthier lifestyle. In this week's episode, we are going to talk about depression in la comunidad hispana con Telemundo. And Dr. Chelly got an opportunity to be part of the segment. I did. Listas? Here we go. Okay, ladies, welcome back. So we just got done with our work day. How are you doing, girl? I'm good. I'm tired, but I'm excited to be here. I know, me too. I'm tired too. Pero aquí estamos listas a arrancar para hablar del segmento que tuviste con Telemundo, which mm -hmm. I was so proud of you, Dr. Chetty. Thank you. I was rooting for you while I was watching <laughs> it. So we're going to talk about the segment that actually took place and we're going to get right into it. So Dr. Chelly, how did you find out about the event? Yeah, so it just uh, was very haphazard. I was at a community meeting with uh, San Diego County Promotores Coalition and there's uh, somebody there, a colleague from Mental Health America. Oh, uh, yes, I've heard of them. They're in San Diego, right? Yeah, yes. Laura Andrews. So she's she's really cool. She's very involved in the community and addressing mental health within the Latino population here in San Diego. And she had mentioned that she was doing a an event at, with the news mm -hmm. uh, in Spanish and that they were going to have a call-in center And I said, hey, uh, I'd love more information on it. Can I participate? Can I volunteer? And she said, yes. So that's how I found out. And that's how I decided to participate. Awesome. So that, was this the same day that she mentioned it, that the segment was taking place? No, this was actually about a week or so before. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And what made you want to volunteer for the segment? Well, I'm always looking at really cool things to do. And mm -hmm. I've been on the radio before, like 10 years ago. And that was a lot of fun talking about depression, talking about how to cope with divorce in Spanish, uh, giving the segments in Spanish. And now that I'm doing a lot of social media stuff, now that I'm doing this podcast with you, well, I've never done that before. So let's let's try it out. And so I figured it would be a great opportunity to network with other professionals. But the main thing of why I thought it was important is to be able to contribute and help Latinos with um, accessing mental health services. And so if I can contribute, then that's what I'll do. Which I see is a really big need in the Latino community, because like you mentioned before, it's a topic that's really not talked about, right? Right. So having that said, what was the main goal for Telemundo hosting this segment in Espanol? And can you talk about that a little bit in regards to why they wanted to reach out to the Latino community? Yeah, so, you know, I don't know the whole backstory, to be honest, about why they did it. All I know is that, and the sense that I got, is that there is an identified need, especially when we talk about dreamers, Um, with the current situation that's going on with them and the uncertainty and the fear, the anxiety. Um, and so they wanted to talk about depression among Latinos and especially uh, with the holidays coming up. And so the holidays are usually seen as a cheerful time. Uh, however, that's not for everybody. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, especially for some of our Latino Uh, familias is that they're estranged from their family because their families are back in their home countries wherever they're in Mexico, El Salvador mm. or you know some other um, country out of the U.S. and so 
están separados, and so they may feel lonely, they may feel sad. So we kind of have to recognize that it's not a joyous time for everybody and that the mental health issues can be exacerbated by the holidays. And so what I think Telemundo was trying to do is to address this in our community and to convey the message that people are not alone, to yeah. convey the message that um, no están solos, hay ayuda, and that we have a lot of professionals in the county that can provide assistance. And uh, so we were there to get the referrals. Uh, people called in, and depending on what issue they were presenting, then we would provide a referral for that. And we also did um, mental health screening. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So right on site, the screening plus the yeah, referral. Yeah, wow. so if they, we, we have a short assessment, so it's a two-item question. If they score a certain amount, then yeah. we do the full assessment, and if they score a total score where it says that they have some severe depression, then we would refer them to the crisis access line. That's really great that you guys were prepared enough to take those calls, but do those assessments to see if it was a quick assessment or a mm -hmm. long assessment where you connect them to the resources right away. Because a lot of the times, like you said, in La Comunidad Latina, we don't really seek the services because we're not aware of the symptoms, right? The symptoms. Right. Mm -hmm. So having that said with that, a quick um, statement. Do you see that there's a need in the Latino community for mental health services? Oh my gosh, it was so apparent. Um, so the calls, uh, we're going to be playing a little segment of it later and mm -hmm. you're, you'll hear in the background just the phones ringing. And so I had to switch phones with um, one other person. Um, we were sharing the line and I took at least two to three calls and people were calling from Tijuana. People were calling from Riverside. So this channel, Telemundo 20, um, it has a really wide reach. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of my work has focused on the need of mental health services in Spanish for Latinos, but this just made it real it the reality is there that individuals are needing of services and they don't really know where to go there was one woman that called and uh i, I can't share the specifics of of the situation um but it's a person that said that she had struggled with depression but she hadn't really sought services And, you know, she was in her house and then the news came on and they were talking about depression and she recognized some of the symptoms for herself. And so she had the courage to call. And so that's the first thing that I do when, when I take the phone call is that I acknowledge people's courage for yeah. seeking help because sometimes that's the first step is actually picking up the phone and making that call. Um, the next step is actually scheduling and getting through the door. But really, once people pick up the phone, that's the beginning of the healing process. I think it's really amazing that you took an opportunity to really reach out on a national level versus just a community. We know that there's a need in the Latinos for mental health services. And I know because I facilitate smoking cessation classes mm -hmm. and I do some in Spanish. And we know that smoking cessation comes with a little bit of um, mental health cases. And not all the time are they going to admit that they have anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. And the way that they deal with it is with smoking because mm -hmm. they perceive it as, as self-medication versus a prescription medication right. from a psychiatrist or a doctor. Mm -hmm. So I think we should tap into that today. How do you feel about people who actually smoke to alleviate some of those symptoms like depression and anxiety? Because they're trying to control their symptoms with smoking but we're also noticing that they become nicotine dependent mm -hmm. for those symptoms so 
how do you feel about that in regards to people who have symptoms to mental health and they're smoking? Yeah, that's a that's a great um, topic of conversation. So the way that I relate it is that people who smoke, and this is smoking and it could be any other VCO, right? Whether mm. it's drinking, eating, but smoking is the easiest thing to do because it's really accessible, right? Mm-hmm. And especially if the context of our environment is that if my mom smoked, my dad smoked, my theos, my theas, everybody in my family smokes, then it's more natural that I will. And people use smoking as a coping mechanism. So what happens is that there's either a feeling or a thought that happens yes. or there's uh, something in our, and this is, this is what we call the cognitive behavioral therapy model. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I'm going to see if I can draw a picture out so we can post on our website or maybe our Instagram of what that looks like. Yes. Um, so basically what happens is that we have an automatic negative thought, right? And this automatic negative thought could be something happened at work and I'm really anxious about it. And so the feeling is, so the thought is, and people get the thought and this, the, the emotion mixed up sometimes. So the mm-hmm. thought is something X happened at work, right? And that was good. Maybe that was not so good, right? And the emotion is then we feel the anxiety. The, the emotion is we're anxious, we're worried, we're scared, we're fearful, um, we're upset, Um, we're nervous, we're sad. So anxious is like an umbrella term for all these really complex emotions. And then our body responds in a certain way. So maybe our heart rate goes up. Maybe we have, um, we start breathing really fast from our chest or sometimes we forget to breathe or sweating. Yeah. Or sweating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or people start shaking their leg or tapping on something because the anxiety, there's all this like energy in our body Mm -hmm. and we want some relief. So really what we're wanting is some relief. And so then that turns into the behavior, right? Mm -hmm. So when we have behaviors, we either have healthy, positive, or negative, unhealthy. And so Lilia, what do you do when you're feeling anxious? Like what do you what what kind of behavior do you do that's positive? So a positive behavior for me would be doing um, meditation and deep breathing exercises, which mm-hmm. I try to teach um, to my clients a lot of the times, but mm-hmm. I have to think about their situations because my situation is a little bit more different to their situations. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they may see meditation and deep breathing being very silly mm-hmm. but once you put it into practice it relieves a lot of stress yeah and it helps you calm down and it reduces the anxiety at a level but i wanted to get back to what you said a vicio porque mm-hmm. muchos latinos piensan que no tienen vicio sino más fuman un cigarro o dos al mm-hmm. día y eso viene con la ansiedad o el estrés o la depresión en la familia en el trabajo y todo eso mm-hmm. and they'll say pero lily yo nomás me fumo uno o dos and then i'm thinking in my mind but it's still a vicio that's an unhealthy habit. Right. Right? So I was reading, so what I'm what I'm about to share comes from reading um, The Power of Habit, which is an excellent book. Um, I don't recall the author right now, but it's in a yellow book that you can find on Amazon or any other bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um, so The Power of Habit and The Confidence Gap are two books that I read, or I did audiobooks because, you know, I'm always on the road. And... What I concluded from them was that, um, and through all my training, right, that we have all these emotions, we have these thoughts, our body's responding, and then we need a behavior to relieve that emotion, that tension. And so then 
the the vicio the the smoking then it becomes an automatic behavior right mm-hmm. sometimes we don't think about it so we as humans work habits we make associations so you'll probably if you think about when you were in school or if you were to go to a meeting that you know you're going to go to frequently you're probably going to sit in the same seat every time yes yeah <laughs> it's you know yeah or even as simple and silly as like going to the bathroom you pick the same stall every time that you go right we're creatures of habit we're Eso we're natural cierto, sí. yeah sí. so just something silly like that just came to mind so lily i'm gonna have to i'm gonna do a little experiment with of you course, this is right something ahead. that i do with my patients all the time so i want you to finish the statement for me mm-hmm. okay? okay whatever comes to mind okay Got it. okay all right ready mm-hmm. burger and fries perfect uh, chips and salsa. <laughs> so it depends who's in the group. So I, I accept a variation of chips and dip, chips and queso, chips and guacamole, uh, chips and salsa. Mm-hmm. Uh, fish and? Ooh, fish and vegetables. Oh. <laughs> People usually do fish and chips. Yeah. Uh, peanut butter and? Jelly. Mary had a little? Lamb. How do you know all this? I don't know. I think it's just the habits. Like you said, it's the norm of what you grew up listening to, mm-hmm. but also what you, I don't know. I think it's just a habit of hearing the sayings or just knowing automatically, oh, I know that saying, mm-hmm. peanut butter, jelly time, peanut butter. <laughs> you know, it's like a silly saying, but just saying that right now brought laughter. Yeah. Laughter's a good medicine. And, and it's those type of little cognitive changes and behavioral changes to be able to reduce old habits away. And that takes constant practice. And mm-hmm. I tell clients like it's going to be constant practice to reduce an old habit because even like you you're drinking your tea right now but mm-hmm. that's daily practice right well actually this is a new behavior so i'll uh, I'll, co- I'll come back to this yeah. so um because i always have coffee and i realized that it was late at night mm-hmm. so i was like eh, or not late at night it yeah. feels like it but because it's dark but i decided to switch it up so i decided to change my behavior so i started with the thought of changing it started behavior, with the thought right? mm-hmm. so the changes come with the person's ready to make that change right Dr. right Kelly, so so what happens um is that we know these things because of habit, because of associations, because of culture, because of where we grew up. So we know that you have peanut butter and jelly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then when in relating it to what you were talking about smoking mm-hmm. is we have a thought, oh my God, I did something at work, <gasps> right? I'm so scared. Mm-hmm. The, I'm so I'm feeling so scared. I need to smoke, right? Yeah. Because I want that relief. And so it's this automatic thought, this automatic behavior that we don't even think about it. Sometimes we call it going on autopilot mm-hmm. because we don't even think about it. So sometimes like when you're driving, you get in your car, you put on your seatbelt, you exit the parking lot, you, you know, you do your drive home and then you're like, "Whoa, how did I get home?" You didn't even think about it. That is so true because I think mm-hmm. a lot of the times I'm autopiloting after work and the next thing you know, I'm pulling up in the drive and I'm thinking, oh my God, was I here the whole time when I was driving? Right. And you probably weren't. Yeah. You weren't. You were focused on, you were probably in your mind somewhere. Yeah. And so what happens with our behavior is that, um, especially in the more severe cases, is that there's a family dispute or there's a trauma that happened and I don't want to think about it. I don't want to feel what I feel. And so I'm going to use drugs. 
drugs, right? Yeah. Because the drugs is a way to numb myself. Yeah, um, so true. And yeah. so these are the behaviors that we do automatically as a response because what we really want is a relief. Mm-hmm. However, what you were saying is that you meditate, you breathe, you do all these things. So it is possible to have a healthier behavior. But I think you're right that we have to make the choice to want to change. I think it's really easy, especially with someone who has mental health symptoms or symptoms mental, to go to a VCU right away because mm-hmm. it's a quick relief right. um, from what I see. But I really want to focus on the Latino community right mm-hmm. now, seeing the mental shift in La Cultura Latina. Um, can we tap a little bit into when we have immigration come in because i noticed like you previously mentioned the holidays are not so great for everyone especially Mm -hmm. when they have family that's far away or they're here by themselves or they're under a stressful situation so como latinos i think a lot of the times we tend to like push it down yeah and hold it there saying soy madura soy maduro no me voy a dejar por vencer uh-huh. nadie me va yeah. a ver que algo está mal conmigo right. o que tengo este problema o me van a mirar loco y no mm-hmm. quiero eso como podemos platicar con la comunidad latina mm-hmm. y latinos to address those needs with mental health services yeah so Lily I think that this is a great transition because um, we talked about playing a little bit of the segment yes. of the Telemundo where I talk a little bit about this because now we're talking about the stigma right Yes. And a lot of the work that I've been doing lately is with is integrating Dr. Brene Brown's work. She's over in Texas and she talks about the power of vulnerability and listening to shame. And with the comunidad latina, no todos, right? Not everybody. Yeah. We're not trying to make any stereotypes of about course. any people. Yeah. However, I can say that, you know, there was a point even myself included, I've done a lot of work on this is um, el orgullo. Oh, yeah, el orgullo, el que dirán, que van a decir de mí, tengo que aparentar. I have to appear that I have all my stuff together, right? Yeah. Even when I don't, or even when I think I'm falling apart, or I am falling apart. That's called masking. Uh, I think I talked yes, about that in a previous yeah. episode. I think it was with Kelly Wallace. There's all this stuff going on, and then we have to mask what we're feeling to mm-hmm. for others to see that everything's okay on the outside. Right. And so, although this isn't an official diagnosis in, in our DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, but and there's a term uh, being thrown around right now, which is called functional depression, right? So that you are experiencing symptoms of depression, but you're still functional. You're still able to go to work. You're able to go to school. You're able to take care of your responsibilities. Pero apenas, like you're barely hanging on. And that's the important thing is that recognizing the symptoms and then seeking the help. Yeah. So let me play a little bit about yeah, the, the interview. Too. And then because I think this talks about the stigma. So for our listeners here, um, I do apologize if it sounds a little uh, weird because it, this is a recording of a recording. <laughs> so here we go. Por favor, están aquí para atender sus llamadas. Con nosotros se encuentra la doctora Araceli López Arenas. Ella es terapeuta. Eh, en nuestra comunidad no nos gusta hablar mucho de esto, ¿verdad? Yo sé que en mi familia mucha gente no habla sobre la situación de la depresión con mi abuelo, con mi madre, con otros tíos. Y así son muchas familias. Sí, el exist, eh, existe el estigma en nuestra comunidad. Es demasiado grande. Es el de shh, no decimos nada. Este, sabemos que hay algo, pero no sabemos qué es y no, no lo hablamos, ¿verdad? Porque tenemos a veces miedo sobre el qué dirán. 
este, a veces este, no sabemos que, como, cuáles son los síntomas, ¿verdad? Pero eso es muy importante porque también puede ser hereditario. Entonces, a lo mejor si nosotros no lo sufrimos, nuestros hijos pueden que tengan que lidiar con esto y es mejor informarse. Sí, es definitivamente informarse sobre cuáles son los síntomas porque es biológico, es uh, también el ambiente, es cultural. Hay diferentes factores, entonces es muy importante de, de informarse, de preguntar. So that's a little blurb about the talking about the stigma of what you mentioned. And I think it should be important also to, for us to talk about some of the symptoms. Of course. Um, I think it's really important, como, como en el segmento dijeron, que no tengan miedo para hablar. Mm -hmm. But to pick up the phone and dial, mm -hmm. para que alguien pueda reconocer, hoy es mi tiempo para que pueda hablar con alguien. Aunque sea una entrevista con la persona en el otro lado del teléfono para decirles que no están solos, ¿verdad? Mm -hmm. Porque muchos en tiempos sentimos que estamos solitos, que nadie nos va a entender, mm -hmm. nadie está en mi situación, ¿cómo me van a comprender? Pero en realidad los servicios existen, ¿verdad? Sí. Mm -hmm. Y eso fue lo que sucedió. Um, fue impresionante porque la gente estaba llamando. So the people were calling. And there was a woman, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, this was just a conversation that we had, but um, this woman who was going through something really difficult, she's older in age and she was going through a difficult time and she's had symptoms of depression. And for some of our listeners, uh, some of the symptoms may include no longer enjoying the things that you normally enjoy doing, feeling apathetic about things, having difficulty sleeping or sleeping too much. So people may have insomnia or people may oversleep like over 10, 12, over, over the normal amount of hours that you sleep, uh, eating too much or too little, having thoughts about hurting yourself or somebody else, feeling worthless or like that you did something to harm your family, sentirse um, culpable. Um, There's a total of nine different symptoms that um, are in our diagnostic manual. However, um, there are other symptoms. So when I was doing my research, I was in Texas and I, I did a, a study in a town in Texas. And the most surprising thing to me was that this woman said that when she felt depressed, when she felt sad, se ponía un lipstick rojo. She would put on a red lipstick and she would, oh. yeah, so she would get all dolled up and she'd put on a red lipstick because it was about what you were talking about, putting on, what did you call it? Masking. Uh, masking, right? Ah. So she was masking her symptoms. So, so now we knew that if she was all dolled up with a red lipstick, that we knew that she, she looked wonderful. She looked beautiful, but really she was pretending she was putting on this mask to kind of hide how she was really feeling inside yeah um, it's almost like layering your and layering certain emotions but pushing them down and then masking them saying mm -hmm. everything's fine on the outside mm -hmm. and it's so funny that you say that because i think often the functional depression when you said that statement i was like wow I've never really thought about that. And mm -hmm. maybe a lot of us are in that place mm -hmm. right now and we don't realize it. And I think it's great to make that awareness, especially with Telemundo, because mm -hmm. they're reaching everyone on a national level, but mm -hmm. across the country too, because you mentioned mm -hmm. que había um, llamadas que eran de Tijuana. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, because we live in a frontera here between Tijuana and San Diego, Um, we want to make sure people are aware if the service doesn't exist over there, there are services that exist in San Diego that they mm -hmm. can seek opportunity to get those services. If they're, if they're able to come. If they're to able that. to come, mm -hmm. of course. Um, yeah. Thank you for correcting me. Yeah. Um, if they're able to come and receive those services, because as we all know, there is some type of 
protocol procedure mm -hmm. between the fronteras, right? Mm -hmm. um, but if you do come out here in San Diego or anywhere in Los Angeles, California, probably even Texas, mm -hmm. it's really important to get to know the community resources available mm -hmm. and around you. Can you name a few on the top of your head? Yeah, so the one closest to the border that I um, had heard about, but I um, uh, we gave a referral to Maria Sardinas is a center in San Isidro. Um, but really wherever you are, call 211. So you know how you call 911 oh, for an yeah. emergency or back in the day you had 411 for, for the phone directory. That is so funny because I would tell people call 411 and they look at me like, huh? <laughs> yeah. And it's not until I live in San Yelp. Diego. Yeah. It's not until I came to San Diego to come live in San Diego. It's my third year living here. Mm -hmm. And, um, remember the first year was like call 211 and I'm like, is that to block a number or <laughs> but all two one one can you um... Yeah, so two one one is a national service. Um so this is where um you can call to get resources to social services. Um I'll look it up right now and see if I can find anything. Um but basically it two one one is connected to your district. So if you're calling from San Diego, Riverside, LA, it's going to give you resources to your particular location. So it's a resource and information hub that connects people with community health and disaster services, according to their little blurb online. Um, so you can call in, let's say that you um, are going through a divorce and you're experiencing a lot of depression um, and maybe you're having issues with your children mm -hmm. if they're young. Um, or teenagers, um, or if you have a child who has a substance abuse or substance use problem, call 211 and you, you tell them a little bit about what kind of resource you're looking for and they'll connect you. And the thing I should note with, and you probably know this too, is yes. that when we access resources, it can take some time. Of course, please um, be patient. Don't let that anxiety build up. It's, mm -hmm. it's a really large system. Um, it's a great organization. You will get connected to resources, mm -hmm. but don't get impatient because we know how impatient sometimes processes can be with referrals. Uh, I always try to motivate uh, the community members to stay positive and eventually you'll get connected mm -hmm. um, to be able to seek that service. And the wonderful thing about 2112 is they have a variety of resources. Yeah. It's not just like mental health services. They have counseling service like you said mm -hmm. substance abuse they really connect you to the resources around you mm -hmm. in your district area and i got an opportunity to go visit them oh and really I was so impressed with the facility oh. i was like tell us oh, about it it's really nice as far as what's on the inside was several departments veterans mm -hmm. calfresh application for insurance um, they have care coordinators case managers so as soon as you call you're talking to a professional on the line to try to connect you to that resource available in the community clinic hospital mm -hmm. or, an, or an agency that's going to be providing the hopefully mm -hmm. the service yeah and they do from housing from helping you pay for your electricity yeah. food um, so, and the thing to remember that with mental health, it's not all just emotional things, right? Or yeah. psychological that sometimes you're having a really hard time emotionally or psychologically is because you are having issues paying your rent or you can't find work or you just don't have enough. Yeah. Um, and so the resources are there to help. So it does take a little bit of time. So I always tell people, don't be discouraged. Just keep calling, keep being patient. 
Um, and it's about finding that one person that can help make that connection and make the difference. Yeah. And I also wanted to share, um, since we're talking about resources, the access and crisis line. So if any of our listeners are, um, rec- realizing like, oh man, like maybe, like you said, like, oh man, like maybe I, I'm, I have a little bit of that. Yeah. So there is an access and crisis line that's 24 hours, seven days a week. And it's one eight eight eight. 724-7240 and they also have a live chat Mondays through Fridays from 4 to 10 p.m. and so this is for anybody that um, is wanting to talk to somebody and they can't access resources right now so um, and the next best thing would be to go to an emergency department um, to seek treatment yeah and I think it's really important for sharing those resources Dr. Chelly because a lot of the times we have the tendency to wait to the last minute mm-hmm. until the symptom has gotten really severe. And right. then that's why this podcast is so important to be able to provide that educational awareness, mm-hmm. letting you know, don't be afraid to seek the service in advance. That way, wherever you are stage in life, if we can catch those symptoms early on, you can probably have a better plan of care, right? Mm-hmm. Or treatment. So I always encourage patients or community members to really seek and get connected to the services so that way they don't wait till the last minute mm-hmm. until the symptom gets really severe or for example if they're getting diagnosed with a certain health condition that mm-hmm. it gets to stage for example like cancer stage four or five and six like mm-hmm. let's catch it early so you have a higher survival rate and mm-hmm. i think it goes the same thing with mental health services let's catch it early so we yeah. can get you connected and mm-hmm. get you to a counselor or a therapist or talk to someone or going to a support group to be able to let you know that you're not alone and hopefully we can get you connected to those resources. Right, porque lo barato sale caro, right? So So if we wait, if we wait until the last minute, it's going to be more expensive. Um, so it's really, um, and I can tell you this from personal experience from somebody close to me. Um, mm-hmm. I won't say who this person is, um, but this person, uh, uh, he wanted to get services or he was having a symptom and i said hey why don't you go to urgent care you have health insurance so why don't you go to urgent care no es que cuesta dinero how much it's 30 bucks okay i will pay the 30 bucks for you to go get care no 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 and uh i'll say that this was a a male person Mm -hmm. and so then in the middle of the night he had to go to the emergency department because of his symptoms and it turned out luckily it was not a big deal it wasn't um dangerous or anything like that but then this person had to pay over 500 dollars for the emergency uh, visit when they could have just paid 30. and so so now they were like oh i should have listened to you let me (laughs) let me tap into that a little bit and i'm gonna tell you why i used to work in an er okay Uh and i hate to say it but A lot of community members use the ER as a regular doctor's office. Mm-hmm. Y ahí es donde va a salir carísimo. Mm-hmm. Porque la emergencia es life and death. Mm-hmm. If you come in for a cold or for something really small, that bill just hiked you up to $100 or $200 just for the visit. And that's not even before the workup starts. Right. So it's really important to seek the ER services when it is a traumatic experience Mm -hmm. but this can also be in the mental health perspective because Mm -hmm. i've also seen cases through the er 
where um, they got rushed into the ER because it was a suicidal ideation. Mm -hmm. And with that comes a 5150 hold Mm -hmm. because they need to have a psychiatric come and evaluate them to see if they're going to be cleared and discharged or if they're going to need further evaluation Mm -hmm. with, you know, a specialist provider and a a team of experts to be able to help the, the patients. But it's really important. Like, the ER is definitely there. Pero si te va a salir caro, mm-hmm. you know, the bill will hike up and people think that it's a quick service, but it's a long wait and people get frustrated in the ER if they come for like a minor cut or a cough or a flu and then they're waiting hours, mm-hmm. three, four, five hours and then we get someone in the ambulance that is life or death and that's the priority there because we're trying to seek the ones that are really emergency. Not to, mm-hmm. say, not to say that we're denying the ones that are there who need the service. You will get seen, but it goes by priority basis on the emergency. Right, and then for some people, you know, they don't have health insurance, so that's why it becomes yes. the medical provider there. Mm-hmm. So um, we're, you know, in public health, we're very aware that that is what happens. Um, but there are clinics out there that are for low income yeah. that people can access services. Um, and the thing is that sometimes people don't know that these services are available. Like this woman um, that called and got a referral. Um, so she had been to this one clinic for her for her daughter, but this time she needed it for herself and she needed medication. And um, and so you know we gave her the resource based on where where she was located in in the county. And then she asked, you know, oh, pero me van a cobrar, or are they going to charge me? And so I quickly looked over to my colleague, and I was like, oh, what's what's the scoop on this place? Mm-hmm. And she said, no, if they're low income, then they're, they won't be charged, or it'll be on a sliding scale. But in this yeah. case, it was uh, no fee. And the lady was so grateful. She said, oh, my gosh, muchas gracias. Yeah. Dios la bendiga. And sometimes people don't know. And so, it's true. Um, so it's always good to to do preventative right and yes. that's the thing that you know our current healthcare system isn't set up for it so it's not the people's fault it's uh that the healthcare system isn't set up that way yeah. um so that's why i think that you know our job is to inform people since we work in the system and and let people know that there are resources out there that are more cost effective in the long run right yeah. that's why we're here to yeah. promote that awareness <laughs> because if it saves you a little bit of money then mm-hmm. we did our job if it connects you to a resource then mm-hmm. we did our job if we we provided awareness we definitely did our job. Yeah. And, you know, we just want to make sure that you're aware of what resources are available. And like you said, there are clinics available that do provide the sliding scale fee um, for low income. So don't rush to the ER right away if it's a service that can be provided at a clinic mm-hmm. or possibly maybe at an urgent care. Mm-hmm. You know, save a little money where it's not going to hurt you in the wallet, you know, because yeah. you might have other needs financially to be able to provide mm-hmm. for your family versus an ER visit that could have been taken care of at a clinic. Right? Yeah, and then right now we have we still have covered California, so mm-hmm. people enroll. Um, I know I've had to do that, and I still have to finish my application. Mm-hmm. Get it done, <laughs> uh, girl, get it I know, done. <laughs> I know, La decidia, right? We yeah. always wait till the last minute. But I always say, too, um, if you're able to get the service now, Mm-hmm. Get it right now while yeah. you can actually qualify versus um, if you don't qualify for mm-hmm. it. You know, we'll obviously look for other resources, but if you have the opportunity to qualify for a service, mm-hmm. then fill the application and submit it. Yeah, yeah. El orgullo se tiene que dejar un poco para atrás and apply mm-hmm. for it because I know a lot of people too, they're like, well, I don't want to apply because 
I feel that's for more needy people. And, mm-hmm. you know, I always tell them, if you're in need of a service, mm-hmm. you're in need, you know, like, yeah. and you need to be able to get connected to the resources. Mm-hmm. See, because we only have one body, right? Exactly. We only have okay. one health. And if we don't take care of our body, it's we're not going to be around, you know, mm-hmm. and especially if we have family that we take care of or if we have a future family that we want to have or um, I went to the seminar and this woman was talking about how um, she works out. She's this older woman uh, seminar leader, and she was saying that she wanted to work out, um, but it it she doesn't do it like, oh, my God, I got to work out yeah. like like kind of like I do sometimes (laughs) and she said that her larger goal was that she wanted to dance at her grandchildren's wedding so everybody's like oh that's so sweet right and so um and then she so she's about 60 early 60s and she said oh but my grandchildren are 9 10 and 11 and so then it's like whoa and so when she works out or when she eats healthier it's something that she just does because her ultimate goal is to be at her grandchildren's wedding um so it's not like a like oh tengo que hacer esto or like oh i don't want to do this it's just part of the lifestyle we're gonna have to talk about that in another topic when it comes to being able to have modifications of lifestyle Mm -hmm. um, for latinos when it comes to a certain um diagnosis and Mm -hmm. they're like oh now i gotta make these changes and i don't Mm -hmm. really want to and really seeking how to motivate you but with this episode we really want you to be aware of in la comunidad latina to really get connected to your community mm-hmm. to the resources and don't be afraid to seek the service or if you want to start off by talking to a friend first right because mm-hmm. i think it's really nice to have a friend or a family member maybe even sometimes a complete stranger right right because mm-hmm. i think dejamos todas las historias con una persona que no nos conoce mm-hmm. y se siente como un milagro que oh my god i needed to let that go i felt so much better right mm-hmm. um so if you want to start with baby steps yeah and so right. you know going back to how we were talking about the cognitive behavioral therapy model right we have our thoughts our emotions how our body responds or physiological effects and then our behavior mm-hmm. and so if normally we say Ay, pues, pa que voy al doctor, me van a decir que no tengo nada mm-hmm. well yeah like we want you to tell you that mm-hmm. we want them to tell you that you don't have anything right yeah, that you're that's the goal. that you're taking care of yourself um and so we have the choice right so we could be like peanut butter and jelly burger and fries you know those automatic associations or we can say you know what i want to make a different choice today i want to have jelly and nutella you know Mm. it's still delicious right or i want to have um i don't know what's um i just started eating uh granola no not granola oatmeal in the mornings like i am not an oatmeal person but now i'm like okay oatmeal that's my little thing in the mornings Mm -hmm. instead of getting like a donut or like a pastry i know (laughs) i know (laughs) once in a while i know it is Uh, but the thing is that we have the power to make that choice to make a healthier choice it doesn't have to be completely different like you were saying um but we like today instead of getting coffee i said okay I'm going to make the choice to get some tea. <laughs> yeah. And it's like you said, it, it really all starts with the way how you perceive things mm-hmm. and when you're ready to make that change. Because mm-hmm. I think it's also really important as much as we want to connect individuals, they have to be willingly to start with themselves first, right? Mm-hmm. To accept that help. Um, yeah. So I think that's really important. Is there any advice and tips that you would want to give to our listeners or audience today in regards to mental health? 
Yeah, so I'm really excited that Telemundo did that that segment, and I'm, you know, excited and thankful that you said, yeah, let's do it, because we had a whole other topic in mind. Yes, um, but I'm happy we decided <laughs> to do this. Yeah, since, since, since it's fresh, um, and I just think that ask for help, you know, no hay nada malo en pedir ayuda. I think that as a culture, that orgullo or we perceive vulnerability as something that's weak yeah. and it's not it actually takes a lot of a lot of strength and courage and especially when i work with veterans uh, male veterans it, they really get it um, in the end is that it took a lot of strength and courage to ask for help that we are not alone um, recognize some of the symptoms and that there are resources like that crisis access line that we mentioned 211 uh, drive around your community maybe walk around actually walk around your community and see what's out there um, and there are opportunities for help we just have to ask for them and that we have the choice to make a different behavior right so if we're trying to quit smoking if we're trying to eat healthier if we're trying to get more exercise get a better handle of our finances or manage uh, some of our automatic negative thoughts yeah I completely um, agree. Yeah. So what about you? Do you have any I any think, thoughts you'd like to share? I think my thoughts and tips will be just like what Dr. Chelly said. I don't think I need to repeat it because I think she pretty much said it all there. <laughs> but my advice for the day will be is don't be afraid mm-hmm. to take the first step. Right. You know, I think we all have to take that first step and let the anxiety go and fear go and really do it for your personal health, for you to grow as an individual and show that self-care and love mm-hmm. to know that you're not alone in this process. Mm-hmm. So that will be my advice. But having that said, since we kind of m- mentioned smoking, I think our next topic should be smoking. Sure. Because I think there's so much behind smoking and El vicio, mm-hmm. and a lot of people think it's the norm, mm-hmm. and I think we need to start talking about that in, in a little bit more in depth. Yeah, there's healthier ways, and and the thing that in that model that I talked about, the things that we do have control over, is so I can't control how I feel. That's why we tell people use I statements when you're talking with effect using effective communication skills. Because if I tell you I'm mad, you can't tell me I'm wrong because that's my feeling, right? Exactly. Or if my body is feeling, my heartbeat is really going really fast, like you can't tell me to change it or I can't change it. But where where I can modify those two is through my thoughts and my behavior. So if we think, oh, estoy sola, nadie me entiende, you know, nobody's going to help me, then we can change that. We can say, no, you know, there are resources out there. And then the behavior piece is that we can take a step, like you said. Um, We can call and pick up the phone or send a text or send a message um, and ask for help and, and, you know, face our fears. Yeah. So if you have any questions for Dr. Chelly, you can always reach us at lasamudablelatina at gmail.com. I think Dr. Chelly is going to provide the links on the episode for anyone that's seeking services um, with 211 mm-hmm. or the crisis line. And we're going to try to link up other resources. But let us know if you have a question mm-hmm. or if you have a story that you want to share. Yeah, we'd love to hear your story. So uh, we can either bring you into our studio or we could do like a FaceTime, Google Hangout, whatever new technology is out there. Um, or if you have a topic that you're interested in learning more about, let us know. So Lily and I would be happy to um, to research those topics. Okay, chicas, that's all for tonight. Bye. Bye.